and I must keep running, running, and 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 running, Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 269, dude, and we are going to be joined by Clay and Brandon. Brandon actually made it this episode, and we'll hear from him in a little bit where we go through a bunch of the new books that came out on Wednesday, today, as I am recording this. But before we do, let me tell you, a little bit about ourselves. Go over to that there Twitter at WS Marvel Comics and follow us, and we will follow you back. And then we could all talk about comics, life, anything, the Super Bowl coming up. We, we can make fun of Brandon that Tom Brady is in yet another Super Bowl while his Bills are sitting at home freezing their buns off in Buffalo. But we also are at a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. That's our Marvel website where you can go and read. News, previews, and reviews. You can also then go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, and support us for all of these podcasts we do on this feed, all the stuff we do at DC, and get a ton of shows in return. One of the shows that we do each and every week is our Weird Science Marvel Comics Patreon exclusive spotlight. And this week, We ended up doing King in Black, Black Knight number one. Me and Brandon did that. And then the Legend of Shang-Chi number one that I ended up doing. Now, those two books each week are picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, Beep Boop. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are part of the Get Fresh crew, whether you like it or not. You are, but if you want to step that up a little, you go over to the Patreon, sign up. Like I said, you'll get a ton of shows. There's usually at least a show extra a day, Marvel stuff, indie stuff, DC stuff, manga, TV, cartoons, pop culture. There's a lot of stuff going on. The only way to really check it out is to go check it out. And if you do go there now, you can sign up at any level right now, and you will not get charged, and you won't get charged until... The next month, the first of the next month, if you don't like what you hear, you quit before then and you'll never be charged a cent. You can listen to everything that we have to offer. Quit the day before the first of the next month and you won't get you know, charged. And I know that that's wacky. A lot of people don't play it that way on the Patreon. Uh, and, and yeah, it does bite us in the ass a lot. But I'd rather have people check things out before they actually put money down for it. I know. Times are tough and things like that, so I would not want to have somebody, oh, yeah, yeah, we do all this. Then you go, you get charged, and then you realize that guy was lying. I don't want that. I want you to actually see what is going on. Now, with that, one thing that I haven't done, and it's kind of a weird deal, we have the badass level. I said you get to pick the books. You get to pick the books from almost all of the shows that we do on the Patreon through polls that get put up. On the Patreon page And I say all the time up the badasses Pick this now like I said this week the Badasses picked the uh, Black Knight book and the Shang-Chi book But I don't end up doing 
the badass roll call on the Marvel side. We do this every week on the DC side where the badass level people get the shout out for the roll call. And I'm going to stop that now because I'm going to start doing it here on the Marvel. It just it never really ended up happening here for some reason. I don't understand, but we're going to start it. We're going to start it. Right now. Right now, I'm telling you. And if you don't know what it is, it's because you don't listen to the DC side of things. But this is the badass roll call where we give the shout out to the badasses, starting with Josh Murray from Not a Robot Podcast, Ted Propes, Lawrence Lee, Forrest Pauly, Cam, Joseph Watchsick, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, All New Dave, Lady Abby, Cisco, Matches Balone, Niels T. Wart, David Fink, Joey Bercasco, Stephen Baum, Tony Walton, Jason Colby, that's Sue 42 to me, Michael G., Ken Halleck, Kamaboom Rocky, Cellar Dweller, Mark Jager, Eric G., Algin Stoja, Nick Adams, Bill Beer, Ruben, Lone Wolf, Marv T-Funk, Luke Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Dalton, Edom, my man Pete from NYC, Sailor Moon, Mark, our man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray, as you know, Brandon, and Double A Ron, and a shout out to the all-time deal, Reggie, and that's that. That is the Badass Roll Call. So when you get upset and say, man, who picked that king in black? Or who you, you can blame every one of those that I said. Just blame them till the cows come home. It's all their fault. But with that, we're going to go off now to the books. And we're going to start with me and Clay talking about the Avengers. All right. And we're going to start with Avengers. And I'm here with my man, Clay. How are you doing, Clay? I'm actually doing pretty good. I actually uh, finished my first day of school. And... Uh and I'm celebrating. It's five o'clock somewhere. I think it's five o'clock. Oh where my you are. goodness so. gracious! I, I told <laughs> you, you didn't even tell me that. I feel like I'm <laughs> drunk. I'm so tired. Yeah, no, I actually I'm celebrating with uh, it's called Best Made Sour Pickle Beer. It's really weird, oh. but it tastes exactly like pickle juice. So it, it tastes like pickle juice. Way back uh, years ago, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, had a game where they were dehydrated, and they all started to decide they were going to drink pickle juice, and they won. And it became a thing that whole year and then disappeared because I was going to say nobody likes drinking pickle juice. But if you get drunk on it, maybe a little more, maybe. And and with that, <laughs> I want I do want to congratulate you finishing this first day of third grade. This is what it is, right? That That's what you're, you're up to now, third grade. Yes. I, I, yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. Here, uh, actually, schools are all closed around here. We got hit by tons of snow. I mean, we we just got blanketed. And then a winter that two winters that have been pretty, pretty mild. All of a sudden we got hit with over two feet of snow. It's crazy. People forgot how to drive in the snow, I think. Except my wife, who last night, it, it's just you could barely see. She calls three grocery stores because she needs to get cream cheese. That's all she was going for. She goes out. I'm like, really? You're, you're going to risk your life for cream cheese? She said yes. And she went and I couldn't stop her. And she started yelling at me. So. I just let her go, but that's that was that. But here we are with the Avengers, the Avengers 42, and it is Enter the Phoenix Part 3. I don't know about you, it feels like this story has gone on way longer than three parts, uh, and I am pretty bored with it, and it's one of those things where I don't even know that we should even keep talking about it. It, it. We're not liking it, but I don't see anybody else liking it. That's the thing. If I thought this was one of those situations where we had on the DC podcast where me and Eric started not liking Tom King's Batman pretty early. 
and we got a lot of crap for it. And then we thought, why, why are we doing this? So we ended up putting it on the Patreon to, you know, if you want to hear it, go there, whatever. I don't see many people, though, loving this. And, and the thing with me is that you end up with this issue, especially you kind of see that there is a formula that Jason Aaron is writing. You're going to get what I'd like to call character profiles through exposition is what it feels like. So he's going to give you his little ideas of this one, who Shang-Chi is, but even before that name more. But then when you get to what should be big moments, big wow moments, I don't sit there and gasp. I roll my eyes. And that's not good. It's not good when you're rolling your eyes at big parts of a book that should be, like I said, wow moments. Uh, what about you? Are you digging this? Are you going to tell me yeah, as a no, surprise? It, no, I also I rolled my eyes because there is a huge bomb thrown at you at the very end of this book, which seems like it should be like a holy smokes moment. And I, I rolled my eyes. I did so. And and I said to you before we started recording, when we get to it, I mean, I could spoil it now. Yeah, I will. You find out that basically the Phoenix Force tells Thor, it's just, I'm your mom. And, and the idea that, ooh, is, is it telling the truth? You know, it's a, But the thing is, right before that, even Thor is thinking to himself, man, my dad was hanging out with that Phoenix Force. That, you know. So then you can only believe it. I mean, the way it's spelled out. And I like rolled he, my he eyes. Says, he says specifically, he says, uh, God's help me. It feels almost like some form of love and i was like that's out of nowhere and then immediately after the the embodiment of the phoenix force which we all know is the the bc avengers BC. woman uh she says i i am your mother and it like i said i rolled my eyes i didn't feel it all that much because we go from this very boring and not so climactic tournament to now, like, this is literally an episode of Days of Our Lives, and I don't want Avengers to be like that. Yeah, really. And and you're throwing shade on Days of Our Lives there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd rather it be more of like a General Hospital. I would. That was my, my wife's favorite soap opera, General Hospital. If anybody wants to get a combo type thing that you're like, well, that has nothing to do with comics. Legitimately, back in the day, there was a character called the Ice Queen who ended up freezing the world and they had to stop her. So there is a connection. I'm telling you, it's great. And then there were vampires, but still you end up with that. And this, it's a soap opera. It's a soap opera that at first, like I said, it's basically not so much a tournament, but a, okay, uh, let's go around. Everybody's thing. Namor starts off. I, I keep thinking that they're writing, like their Tinder profiles, because you're going to find out exactly what they love and what they did and what they thought and how they came about to figure out that they should fight and things. And you have Neymar going on and on and on with this about, well, I killed my first bull shark and then I did this. I felt bad, but that's the first time, but not. And you just go on. And what I found with that, with his fight with Echo, which should be pretty cool. I mean, any fight like this should be cool, especially the amount of page space that you're taking up. I barely even recognized anything going on with the fight. I, I ended up more trying to read this, you know, exposition filled dialogue and just, and while that's going on, you just have, you know, panels of Echo punching Namor and then Namor pushing back and, and not much going on if you want to see something from Echo's side, especially because you're just, and also, I just want to point out, when you go through an entire thing like this, especially with a character like Namor, you know he's not losing. 
And so, you know, you keep just going through. Everything's happening. He becomes the, the Phoenix Force, Namor, which should be a wow moment. We already saw it. We saw it last cliffhanger. And and then the fight, and then the fight just ends. And you don't even know what happened, what went on, and you just get pulled out too. I think that's one of my biggest problems with this issue, though, because the last issue left us on a cliffhanger showing that it was going to be a fight between Namor and Echo. And then what do you do here? Nothing. You don't You don't do anything to make this fight worth it, or you don't do it – you don't really progress story. You try to progress – somewhat of like character development, but it's not something I really wowed at, or it's not anything that I really needed to know about Namor. No, no. Namor, basically, here's what you get from Namor. He's a badass who hates people. And he, he's going to, the big thing is it's almost as if, and this is where I think, like I said, the, the profile, the Tinder profile, or even grinder. I don't know. I don't know how those things work, but it's almost as if this is a, an online dating profile that he's trying to woo the Felix Force to try to pick him, but also almost like a job interview type thing. But that's not how we should be reading it when he's doing this. Like, listen, at one point he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I hate those surface dweller, those air breathers. They can go suck an egg, but I'm not going to use the Phoenix Force to burn them. I'm just going to. And, and he just goes on and on in a way that didn't feel like Namor, it feels like every one that we've already had, like the Cap exposition. Then we get the Shang-Chi. Then throughout this, we get a lot of Wolverine in, in the deal as well. Uh, and none of it really plays out like, oh, man, that's classic Namor. Oh, man, that you know, you can't just put Bub in every three sentences and say that's classic Wolverine either. It just, to me, it ends up being overly wordy in an issue and a arc that's supposed to be a tournament that we already, we weren't that excited about, but it's making me less and less excited as we go. And that's not how things are supposed to ramp. They're not supposed to ramp down when you're reading these things and, and it's throwing me off. And when you end up seeing that reveal again, we've already seen it of Namor Phoenix Force. I'm like, okay, let's see what, Oh, wait, who's, oh, it's Cap again. Who's Cap? Oh, he's fighting Shang-Chi. There's no real setup of this. And while this is going on, Jason Aaron's trying to play this game where Cap and Shang-Chi are playing a game. They're setting a plan. Now, we, we had said to each other before, why aren't they getting plans together or whatever? And it seems like they've thought about it, even though Cap says, you know, we can't really do it. And Shang-Chi, we don't have time for this, whatever. But the plan is a weird one. Because it seems like this is supposed to be for Cap to lose to Shang-Chi, to trick the Phoenix Force. But all Cap has to do is yield, and then he's done. But it seems more than that. But then by the end, Phoenix Force decides who wins. That, that throws out the rules. We're, we're starting to do, you know, ten, 10 of swords nonsense, where there's no real rules. There's no real setup where the Phoenix Force ends, and Cap even says, I thought I was losing. And he won. They didn't even finish the fight. She just up, you're making a plan. Okay, you're done. You win, Cap. Why, why doesn't she just pick whoever? We we still think that it would be Namor, even if it's not. Just pick somebody to get on with it. I just well, want to get and, going. And that's the thing also. I, I understand that this may be Aaron's like point of doing this, but he is swaying so many people to think that they're going to be the ones taking it, which I think the twist is going to be, oh, Phoenix doesn't want anybody. She just wanted to torture everybody. Which, again, if I can already see where this is going, it's probably not worth it. You yeah, know? yeah. The funny thing is, 
it'd be cool right now if like Howard the Duck didn't lose yet. Or or Moon Girl, who comes in on the issue in a minute. Because you'd have them in the background, and we definitely would be like, oh, no, that's what this whole ploy is. We think it's Namor. It's going to be Cap. It's Black Panther. It's whatever. No, no, no. It's going to be Howard the Duck. And at least that would keep you interested or something. But I'm looking at the roster that's left. Hey, there's Black Knight. Whoop-de-doo. I'm like, all right. And and the funny thing is, when they start pushing Shang-Chi here, I'm like, you know what? Shang-Chi is getting a huge push right now. Movie, all the stuff coming up. Would this be a way that Marvel themselves wants to put him in the forefront fully? And them thinking, making him the Phoenix? Oh my God, people will know Shang-Chi. They'll be talking. And I, I'm not going to say that that's not going to be the case, but now it looks like he lost. But did he? I don't know. We don't see him there, so we assume. And it's just kept, I just. Everything goes and where you think you're leading to something, it just stops. It goes another direction. You end up Wolverine. Hey, you ain't getting the Phoenix Force from us. You end up having shade being thrown at Jane, you know, at Jane Foster. Just nonsense. So you then go off from there and you get back to the Avengers. What are they doing while this is going on? You go to the brain room. And you have Brood, you have Moon Girl, you have Grillman. But even then, it just, everything seems like, okay, let's get on with it. I just, I, I, I'm not wowed by any of this, yet there are moments that there should be wow moments, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. And, you know, and there's also, it's, it just really bothers me that some of these fights look like they could be very entertaining and we don't get anything from them. Because then... After we get the monologue of Shang-Chi and Namor, we get the rest of the monologue is from Wolverine, is from Logan, and he's not even fighting yet. Nope, he's not. We finally see it, but and that's the thing. He he seems to want to, like, who I can't reveal everybody at once, but it's just when you get Black Knight, it's not even that exciting then, and then we finally do, but the big thing then shifts to Thor. Like you said, things are swerving around, and all of a sudden there's Thor who's fighting from the outside, and they keep saying, I mean, really, when when we get the reveal, I think the reveal of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm your mother, it, it ended up making me roll my eyes also because I'm like, oh, he, he was pushing this hard. Like, he, he was, and I didn't realize it, because they did say before he had a connection. He ended up saying that. But even here, they're like, hey, there's Thor, he's fighting, but man, he's taking it personal. And then, like you said, the line of, I don't know what I feel. It must be love. I'm like, really? And so he's going at it. You get that deal with, you know, Odin and that, that connection, which we would have. But, you know, then we're going to. I will say this, though. I will say this. It looks like the fight with Wolverine is going to be against Black Panther. And this is the first time that we are seeing the area that they are fighting in actually have some sort of interactment because we see vampires. And it is Chernobyl. That's where they ended up sending the vampire nation and Dracula. So that's cool. The funny thing is, <laughs> when I saw it, and you're right. And even when, and like, you're saying fights should be cool. And then you get, like, Jane Foster versus She-Hulk on Easter Island. I mean, if you're going to not, if you're going to make it fully just, hey, look, I'm writing a video game here. Because you even have stages and level. Make it fun. Make something go on with it. And it's funny when you said when they go to the Ukraine to Chernobyl and it's going to be Wolverine versus uh, Black Panther and you see the vampires. Now it feels like now the video game has become with interactive backgrounds and things like that. with the van- But I hope that that ups the ante a little. I hope that things go on. 
I'm wondering why at, at any point with, you know, teleportation things and whatnot, you know, Dracula gets a hold of Blade. Maybe, hey, Blade, you know, your dudes are here. You know, you get here. Why you can't just come and grab them, scoop them up, help them out. And maybe we'll see something like that. Uh, the vampires seem to even be going against each other. Them vampires, you can't trust each other. But then you have Wolverine, and, and some of these things, when Wolverine comes out, he's got, again, I want to point out maybe to double Aaron, he's got the hot claws again. We, we finally get back to the Charles <laughs> Soul hot claws. It just took the Phoenix to do it. But he looks great. It looks cool. I even like that Phoenix, you know, the, the mask that goes with his classic look. And, uh, yeah, it looks cool. You have all this going, but then you switch off to Thor and, like you said, the BC Avengers slash X-Men Phoenix Force girl who then says, hey, uh, you know, I, I, I like you because I'm your mama. And then he's like, what? And that's just, you know, how it ends. I think the art was really good. Uh, some of the pacing of these fights are off. Some end up taking the name or one went way too long for what was going on. It's because he had the dialogue to go through. Then you go and you want to see some more of like Jane Foster and She-Hulk. That's one page. Then you go and, and just nothing feels like I'm not getting the sense of any of these of like, oh, my God, I hope Cap wins. Or, oh, my God, what if, you know, Black Panther goes down? I, I just want to I, I see these fights. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't even sit there and think to myself. And it's weird because of the setup. I don't sit there. And I don't know if you are like, ooh. Like, Cap does this, and if he fights that with Shang-Chi, that all gets thrown out because they both have the Phoenix Force. So they just beat the crap out of each other. You don't even get the idea of who would, you know, who would win. Like, that cool deal, because they're both imbued with the Phoenix Force, and they're fighting a different fight. So it, it just throws me off. This is at the point where, you know, the age of Conchu, after this many issues, I was already done. I just want to get to the end. I want to see what's going on, and I want to see what happens from that. Say Black Panther does get the Phoenix Horse, then then what are we going to do with it? What are we going to have done? You know, is it going to start a new book? Is this going to be something that's just in here? But again, pointing out, we get a lot of other characters besides Avengers in this. We never get the Avengers, and now we have this. So I, I'm giving this a six five. What would you give it? Yeah, I was I was sitting at a six five or a six. You know, the art is the heavy influencer on that grade. Uh, or uh, that score because um, everything does look great. You know, we get an awesome splash page of Shang-Chi with like those extra long nunchucks with the Phoenix horse. It looks great. I, I love all of these visuals, but the story isn't consistent. You know, there, there are small, you know, small little pockets of something that Aaron could latch onto as far as story, but then he goes off and does something else. And it's just so crazy how he can do that all in one issue and he wonders why, you know, people are always frustrated with how he writes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I forgot to even say the credits. I'm telling you, I'm out of it. Uh, it was written by Jason Aaron, obviously. But Luca Maresca on art, colors by David Coriella and letters by BC's Corey Pettit. And it seems like, or Petit, it seems like uh, getting a bunch of different artists throughout this as well. Like everybody wants to get their hands in on the Phoenix Force or whatever, but it looks great. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, you with 6.5, you're going down to a 6. Are you going to be Mr. Negative? Nah, you know, I'm... I, I'm, I'm pretty positive today everywhere else, so I'm going to go ahead and stay positive here. Uh, what you're telling me is you're drunk. Is what you're saying. Now, see, usually it's Brandon, but Brandon, his stupid connection won't even allow him to get on anymore. Last week, he was, you know, missing an action. I recorded a bunch of books with him and it didn't work out because of him being. Now I have to get the 
the guy's trunk sound effect as we go forward here. But I, I will I will ask you this, though, because what what happened to the lineup for Marvel? Because we just recently reviewed these two <laughs> I know, books. I know. The, recently, I think Strange Academy 7 was last week. And now they have eight. Yeah. They're, they're really shuffling some things around. I would say, I don't know. I would say that, you know, some of these maybe ahead, maybe it's one of those things. And this is just me, you know, Mr. Conspiracy here. Maybe it's the fact that they're like, boy, uh, you know, people are getting upset. There's only King and Black on the shelf. We need some other books on the shelf so people will keep buying some things, some not related. There's not a lot of non-related, you know, books, things that aren't being taken over by King and Black. And Strange Academy is one that I appreciate with that. Ventures, another one. Maybe they're just like, eh, keep putting them out. I don't know. It's weird. The Strange Academy, when I was doing the poll for the Patreon, I ended up seeing, I'm like, that can't be. Because sometimes what happens is you'll end up having an issue come out and things have been delayed, even when you have going for, you know, far enough back to the shutdown where they still have that placeholder. And then you're like, oh, because I saw it. I'm like, there's no way this is coming out again. I was glad it did because I really did like the last issue. I was hoping that would continue. And it does, but it was weird. And yeah, it's it's funny because it's either Spider-Man or Avengers. That seems to be what we're always talking about. Now it's Strange Academy. And I, like I said, I don't mind that much because this issue is, is damn good. I actually really liked it. And you, you ended up sending me a message that you liked. And I thought, thank God, because I was in the middle of you know <laughs> reading other things that I wasn't loving. But it is Strange Academy number eight, written by Scott Young. Art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. After a battle in the bayou against the villain uh, villain magic users, the Hollow, Emily Bright was left dying and Doyle Germama was dead. Doctor Strange, attempting to save Emily's life, approached Hogarth of the Avishanti to absorb the cost of magic to save a student. In doing so, he's revealed to Emily how the school and its inhabitants are able to use magic without a cost them. Emily, now a fully conscious and on her feet, learned of Doyle's demise in her state of sadness, gave him a kiss goodbye, which miraculously brought him back to life. Now, I have complained about this book a bit. I love it. But I've been complaining about, man, eh, we're not really getting a lot with the characters. I wanted to see them in class. I wanted to see some of the characters, especially Emily getting the focus, things like that. We're starting to get that now. We're actually getting it, and things have ramped up. I mean, once they said, you know, we did see Doyle, and they're going to allude to this or even talk about it, Doyle in this about having the premonition, seeing that future, him and his father burned that. Like, that was okay, but that the Hollow as villains kind of just showed up and didn't really do much. Not a lot of stuff, and then they got defeated. They end up Doyle's death. But now things seem bigger. When you even go to, you know, Hogarth and say, hey, you know, what's going on? You know this big bad coming. We're going to need these and all that. That seemed really big. And it continues to be a book that I like the characters a lot, but also is starting to feel bigger and bigger in my mind. But you end up with, you know, your classic favorite, Dead Girl. And she is uh, working as pretty much the counselor for Doyle because he's kind of a little down that he came back from the dead, but he's also died. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on for, you know, you, you just had your first day of school. I mean, if all of a sudden you ended up dead, and fighting everyone and stuck in limbo, you would have had problems too, I would think. But that's why you're drinking, uh, right? Yeah, for sure. See, <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to hit that one. So, so you end up having Doyle and he's conflicted. He's like, well, I wish I was dead, but if anybody's going to do something bad, it might as well be me. It's, it's like a weird twist and turn of the hero's choice 
of the idea. I'd rather me burn everything down than say Calvin, because Calvin's a good guy. And, and it's almost like Doyle's putting himself down. Look at me. Uh, and, and almost like he's resigned to the fact that no matter what happens in the future, he's going to do something bad because of his dad and things like that, that it might as well, I might as well be the bad one. I might as well be that. And I kind of did like that. But when you go off and, and say like earlier, I, I was taken aback a little when they went off to New Orleans because it just seemed out of nowhere and I wanted them to be in class. But if you go out on a space field trip led by Rocket and Groot, I'm in. And this is what I think this book should do all the time, get more and more guest stars, one better than the next, because I think Rocket and Groot are hilarious in this. You know, they play their their game. I mean, it's pretty much the classic Rocket and Groot. But even when the kids come through and he's like, hey, everybody, what's up, Breakfast Club? And then Groot's telling them that's like an outdated, like, I am Groot. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know they don't know that movie. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, it was. <laughs> it made me giggle. Uh, but they're going also to get something here. And and the funny thing is to me, like, you never learn if this is a field trip that's fully sanctioned. I mean, it is, but it seems weird that they're going off to find a magical item that Groot and, and Rocket lost at one point that was supposed to go to Kana, who's there taking them. It seems more personal than school stuff, but I like it. But you tell us more. I'm talking too much. You, you tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, it, it does sound too personal, but at the same time, it's one of those moments where it's like, oh, well, this can be a teachable moment. So we'll go ahead and go on this field trip, which is crazy within itself, but I kind of want to headcanon the fact that, like, we know that Mark Wade did have that Doctor Strange in space book in the beginning of Fresh Start. And they make the comment, well, not, you know, there's not only magic on Earth, there's magic everywhere else. So, you know, it kind of ties into that. I like that. I'm, it's a small little headcanon there. But you're, you're right. Groot and, and uh, uh, Rocket were really funny in this. Uh, the moments where they dealt with these creatures. Uh, I can't. Uh, the Scribbit. Yeah, the Scribbit. Which was like some sort of weird like rabbit thing. Um but I do love this moment here because uh, because they're looking for I can't remember what they're looking for exactly. Um, like you said, this ancient um, relic or item, but they they know that it fell in a scribbit nest. And so they're going to find that scribbit nest and hopefully within the droppings, they can find what they're looking for. And then you see this giant one that's right behind them. Uh, funny little moments like, oh, it's right behind me, isn't <laughs> it? But we go back to the classroom that me and you have been like wanting since the very beginning of this book. And we got it within the first two issues, but then it went downhill from there because we never really saw them back in class. And they have this class that is spells and summons. And they're learning about duplicating uh, individuals. And so uh, Agatha Harkness is the teacher or professor in this class. And she has put some sort of spell on these creatures that they've all been assigned to in order to be like, hey, if you mess up, it's not going to yeah, harm you're not going to kill them. They have a protection <laughs> spell. And it's funny when, when this popped up, I, I, I had a big smile on my face. Also, just recently haven't read. It reminded me a bit of Naruto. When, when they even had it at the beginning where he's got So I, I really, really liked that I really thought that that was a cool little deal 
And then from that, even with the idea that you know that without that protection spell, half these animals are going to be dead, you, you get to see this is what I wanted all along. I wanted to see who struggles with things. I wanted to see what they're good at, who's better. And you do end up seeing Emily is really good. She's really good at this. And this is what I wanted to see. You know, you even see like Irik, he messes up, but then you go out and it's hilarious because when you go out, you end up seeing Shaylee is duplicating Gus and Gus. there's like 10 of them and they're pointing at each other. They're confused. <laughs> they're like, and I love so Gus. It was so great. It's so good. I even like the uh, all the things that they ended up that they were supposed to duplicate. You know, you end up having those Jamamu. They're all confused. They're all standing around. They don't know what's going on. And I really and like I love that. I I love that they still are like latching on to the trope of like Gus not being able to fit in the classrooms. So you just see his head just like peeking through the uh, the glass. I I love it. It's absolutely amazing. And you know what's great about it? When you do see that, I actually thought to myself, well, what's Shaylee doing out there with it? Because she's there. You see her nets. I'm like, what's going on? And then it makes sense because they're they're lab partners. If you're partners with Gus, you got to go outside. <laughs> he can't <laughs> fit in there. It makes me laugh so much. But even that, you see, like you know, Calvin struggling. Like I I like this. This is where you get character moments here. When you end up seeing stuff, even with the idea that Calvin, when they first start, not Calvin, actually, it's Herman who actually raises his hand and wants to know, uh, can these animals get hurt? That actually gives you a little bit of a character moment with them. It says, I know what you're going to ask, Herman, and you can rest your sensitive little mind because he's a nice guy. He's a nice kid. He doesn't want to hurt animals because he is a guy like we saw before. He ends up projecting into animal, so that would be something he'd worry about. I like that. I think Mm -hmm. that it works so well. The part with Gus and Shaylee, though, is great. It's so funny. I actually started laughing and just looking at I like the one Gus pointing at the other while the the other one's, like, scratching his head. It made me laugh (laughs) so much. And then they get interrupted by Dr. Strange, who needs to talk to Emily. And everybody even looks concerned with that. They they even go to the door as, as she's being led away. But again... You know, what is this about? What's going on? Emily thinks that it's because she pretty much talked a lot of trash. Dr. Strange pushed him out of the way in that to go into that hell dimension where he had to go save her. And she thinks she's in trouble. I never thought she was in trouble. I mean, you could tell that Dr. Strange would like her. And I like this, though, because you, you kind of get a confirmation of it. But I'm telling you, because I'll let you go on from here, add more and more guest stars because the idea of showing up in this book being more impressive to me than what he did in the avengers book that should have been a wild moment just him showing up is so cool in this but you go on yeah so dr strange does want to talk to emily and you know you're right she's not exactly in trouble even though she thought she was and he says like yeah you you did you know voice your opinion and that is completely okay but i need to remember that you're not an x-men you're not an Avenger. You're a student. Yeah. I and that I'm was your a great teacher. Point. And I need to, he says here, you're, you're not somebody who failed a mission. Instead, you're a student who needs guidance. That was one line that I absolutely loved in this book. I, it actually gave me goosebumps when he said, I'm telling you, because that, just that line even just shows you how good a guy Dr. Strange is. Yeah. And he's been pretty aloof. In this, he's been pretty almost distracted at times and even not even in it at points. So I thought that that was really, 
really good. That that and line. I said it. I said it in my last review um, that Doctor Strange is a character that was always known, just like Tony Stark, as like a little bit of a jerk. And through becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, he learned humility and all of these other things. And so in moments of stress, you can kind of see him revert back to that type of character, but he always comes back. He always becomes the Sorcerer Supreme again. He always like, okay, I'm the person who needs to protect people from magic, and I'm going to be that way as a principal in this strange academy. And that's when he presents Emily this ring. She makes a joke about it, like, oh, aren't I a little too young for you? Like, 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 what is this? And this was very interesting. So... I completely forgot about the whole thing with uh, Hogoth, which was the, uh, I can't remember the actual, uh, uh, gosh, what was it? Um, he is some supreme yeah, magic Yeah, he's being. from the, I, the, I the Ashanti realm, and it's one of those, yeah, he's, that's, like an, that's right. he's like an old god type deal, and he can consume the magic. And he consumed all of the dark magic from Emily. So that apparently it still lingers or it could come back possibly. So in order to counteract that, they made this ring out of uh, Doyle's uh, crown that hovers above his, above his head. And she's like, Oh my gosh, how could you do that? While he was, he's like, no, 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 this was actually his idea. He gave us this and he wants to protect you. And I thought that was really, really sweet. We know that, you know, they have feelings for each other. It's very clear. That was the whole thing for, you know, the issue before this one. And even before that, they were always flirting. So to see it here, you see this big smile on her face, um, you know, because she is so infatuated with them. But the best part about this is she's so in her moment with this ring. Thor comes out of nowhere. He's like, hey, I need to talk to you. And Emily's like, uh, uh, uh. Uh, it, you're 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 Thor. Uh, what's up? Yeah. And, and she's just like just awestruck. He is huge. <laughs> he is humongous. And, and and he even says he's like uh, strange. I think I broke your student. <laughs> like what 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 is this? <laughs> her mouth is just her jaws <laughs> drop. And and the thing is, this is actually one of the main reasons why when a lot of people don't like younger characters, I love them. You get it right here. Now, she isn't exactly a superhero yet, but she's a younger character who has not been involved where the God of Thunder just walks into a room. You see, Doctor Strange, this would be nothing to him. There's his buddy, the Avenger. Hey, what's going on? But you get that point of view of how awestruck this should be. This is like an awe-inspiring moment. If me and you are sitting there and Thor walks up and sits down at the table with us, I'm at least crapping my pants, but we we just we wouldn't be able to stop looking at him. I mean, he's a god, and you, you lose track of that sometimes. That's why I do like, even not even just like a god or whatever, but even when you have a young character use superpowers for the first time and you, you realize how cool that really would be. We see Superman flying around all the time. You take it for granted. You see Spider-Man, you know, zipping around on his web. And you're just like, ah, it's nothing. That is like a ways, a means to an end to get from one place to another. But it's such a cool thing. And that's why I like that. And I love this, where he comes in. (laughs) Just the way he looks, too. And I, I do like the way that, you know, he's drawn here just to fit into this whole deal with the art and stuff that I love. And he's just like, like you said, uh, I think I brought your student. It's so funny. Uh, but also, like you said about Dr. Strange, there was a line that I liked the last issue that goes kind of with the one that he says here. Like you said, when he shows that he cares, when he show, is when he was trying to save Doyle and 
you end up, oh man, that sucks. I couldn't do it. And he says along the lines of, it, it never gets easy to lose somebody like that. And that, I said when I talked about it, that even goes back to just when he was a surgeon. Like that was kind of a surgeon talk, but also with Dr. Strange, because you're talking mystical and things of, you know, how bad it is to lose a patient no matter what. And, and that line here with the X-Men and saying that I should have, you know, treated you like a student that needed guns was so good. And then Thor comes to lighten it up. And that's why I love the pacing of this issue because you end up at points like, oh, man, and then you're laughing. And then, oh, there's a good moment. You have Emily so into this ring when she finds out that it's Doyle's that everything is going good. Now, I think that one of the things that pointed out what was going on, too, is she does have some crazy magic going through her. The Doctor Strange has to give her that ring because when she did that duplicate spell, holy crap. She duplicated things out the wazoo, and I think it was because that magic is so strong in her at that moment, and not even just maybe dark, but but magic itself that she has to get, you know, pushed back. I think that there will be a point where she's going to have to go full force, and she's going to take that ring off and just let loose, because we go to a little dark area then here where she hears a voice. To me, this is very Harry Potter-esque, but I really liked it, where she hears somebody calling from below. She goes down to the dungeon. There's somebody locked up that's saying, you know, hey, I'm locked up. You're pretty cool. Like, you know, going with it. And she doesn't trust this voice, this thing. Um, but she's intrigued. She seems like she might do some bad things. This thing is trying to influence her. Do you have any idea who it might be? I have no idea. This was teased. This was teased back. And she also makes the reference uh, when they were playing uh, tag, when they were playing door tag. And she did run in this same dungeon once before. So we have had, you know, a similar conversation between the two of them. But again, very, very vague. I think this person in here says that they have been here for two years at least. So I don't know if it might be, you know, if anything, gosh, I can't remember what happened to, um, the who who was that that um i can't remember her name she was in the uh, mark wade uh oh book i know you're talking about space, I, I can't the, remember her name you think it might... she went she went semi evil yeah right? yeah but and it would make sense why she would would be yeah. in a dungeon so maybe her now here's the thing this is my crazy idea now, I don't know if Doyle has said something. If Doyle, if we go back and read anything and Doyle says, man, I haven't seen my dad in two years, then I'm definitely saying it's him. Oh, you think it's Dormammu? I think it's Dormammu. I, the only reason why is because when everybody the last issue said we got to get Dormammu, that's the only way to save Doyle. Doctor Strange flipped out. You will not do that. Don't even try. And then you do have Dr. Voodoo go. He came back not ever finding anything. And I don't know if it's one of those where because nobody's there or whatnot, but it it seems too little a thing though for this dungeon. I mean, it's that huge is true. If it's maybe, Dormammu, though, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Doyle actually didn't go to Strange Academy on his own. Maybe Strange had him go, and that's kind of like their little secret. Or that they had that that Doctor Strange knows about that prophecy that it is Doyle and Dormammu both together burning the whole place down. So he wants to keep an eye on your mama while he then tries to train his son i don't know i know it just was weird the idea that it seemed not easy but enough where when they said we got to get your mama to save his son and dr strange would not let them go and then 
Voodoo just went on his own. He went off. And then even when Emily jumped through and Doctor Strange had to go and save her, it just it seems but it, it seems like the cell like might be a little too little of something to do that. But I, I tend to think that what we're getting towards is this idea of Doctor Strange looking at a point like he's not the greatest of guys. Like we'll find out that, you know, Whatever this is is going to start pushing Oh you have that ring like what is he Afraid of your true self your True spiritual you know magical Powers I think that it's going to play off that Deal but hopefully Emily Is smart enough but it it ends up getting You know cut short anyway Because when you go back in space And the scribbits are pretty much eating Everybody they already ate Eric he has the the deal And you end up having Calvin have To call and I even like this where She's like why would you call me well, you're the first on my speed dial. He was just hitting buttons, <laughs> and he is screaming. I love him, too. He's just screaming and yelling, we need help. And even she, she's trying to, you know, play it pretty like, I thought you had the rock to get back. He's like, that's in the stomach. <laughs> the iron had it. We got to get it. Please save us. And yelling and screaming, they need a portal. And that's where uh, Zelma comes, and they do make a portal, and everybody just comes spilling out. Into the library there just wrecking Everything all the stuff going on You have Rocket where everybody's still just You know trying to get their bearings he's like Yeah these these books look expensive I think I'm going to steal some That that made me laugh again uh, And then you just have a funny this Cliffhanger you know you could end up Revealing who's in the dungeon but that's The long place so the cliffhanger's just for fun like, hey, where's Eric? Uh-oh. And he just gets vomited out by the script. <laughs> it, it made me laugh. It ma- Even when you have Toth there, who somehow, without any real full facial deals, looks pissed and then looks confused. I think the art does a great job in all of this part. I even like it where they're laying there and Toth's on top of Calvin. And he's like, you can get off me now. And he gets up and takes his helmet off and just looks. But even then might be a little bit of a character moment for later. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. And then you end up with Eric who's just, just covered in vomit. They're all laughing and he just says, don't say another word. And I, I thought that was funny. And I, I like that as even a cliffhanger that you don't have to wow everybody or make everybody, oh my God, did that person live or die every, every issue. So I like that, but I did like this issue. I think the art's great. Yeah, and we also get, you know, usually at the end of these issues, we've been getting like really funny little remarks from like emails and different things like that. This one actually pushes a little bit more story with the uh, assessment from Dead Girl about Doyle, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, he does seem to have regrets of this and he feels like this. And so she's like, oh, I recommend that he you know, continue these sessions uh, until further notice. So we know that this is going to cause a little bit of trauma for him. And I really like that. I, I love that they, that Scotty Young has been putting these in the very back, even if they are really silly, it does add a little bit of that funny flavor uh, to the book. But it, uh, like you said, and here's the thing in my mind, say I'm completely idiotic. I mean, at one point, me and you both thought that Kindred, Ended up not being, you know, we, we're nonsense. But so just say everybody's like, well, everybody knows your mom or this or that or whatever. I still think what's being set up here, even if that's not the case, is you end up in this deal, in this assessment saying, hey, you know, it's your mom or son, but Doyle, he has a kindness to him. He actually cares for people, unlike his dad and things like that. And if anything's going to happen, I, I don't know. What I do know is strange and your mama 
not the best of friends. And if Dormammu figures out or even suspects that Doctor Strange is trying to soften up his son like this, which he's not because Doyle already has that, but he's never going to believe it's his son that is a caring. He is going to flip out. He's not going to like this. He's going to go completely. But like I was saying, the other idea of I, I'm thinking it's Dormammu because it did feel weird right away to have Doyle show up at a academy being run by Doctor Strange. Like, why would Dormammu even do this? What's going on here? It, it fell off right away. And then you kind of get away with it because he's such a, a cool character and whatnot and is a good guy. Uh, so I'm wondering if, you know, one of the two happened, either mom who finds out and shows up and, and wants to just take his son pretty much like I'm yanking you out of school now, or he's actually trapped. And if he is, how's Doyle going to think of that? What's going to go on when, if he finds out that his dad has been a prisoner here? Maybe he knows. I don't know. But we'll have to figure that out in the long run or it might be neither and i'm i'm an idiot so i mean i don't know i'm not drinking right now but i feel drunk so uh <laughs> i don't know what you gave it on the site sometimes i take a little peek to see if, if the review's up yet now at this moment it would just be a draft but i didn't look but i'm actually going nine out of ten i like this so much i'm back on board with this i'm so happy to be back on board and I always was liking it, but at points I was kind of like, eh, I hope it gets better. I hope it gets better. Well, now this is getting better, so I can't say that. So 9 out of 10 for me, what are you giving it? So joke's on you. I have not written it yet. Damn it. Uh, That's I why was, I wouldn't have seen it anyway. <laughs> I was uh, I was just taking down some notes. Uh, I didn't want to like uh, write, start writing it like in the middle of like my class or anything. So I was just taking some notes down, uh, but I also gave it a 9 out okay, of 10. Okay, that's cool. So what you said is, hey, review, I'll call you when I have no class. That's what you said <laughs> when you have no class, people. But, yeah, thank you for joining me. As always, Clay, and finish up by telling us where we can find you besides, you know, row three, seat two. Maybe at your class. <laughs> yeah. So you can find me, of course, here, uh, sometimes the Patreon, depending on uh, what week it is. And then you can also find me a uh, Batman News Weekly podcast, the Comic Book Legion podcast, which I'm finally going to be able to record with Mark. He's been waiting for an offer on his house. He finally got that so we can start recording this week. And then you can also find me at uh, the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network, where I am the host of the Ranger Alliance podcast. Yes, you are. That's where I am, too. I have two podcasts on that. Every every week, I'm like, oh, my God. I always forget about them. It's, it's Saturday and Sunday morning each time. I'm like, oh, my God. I got to get to those. But that's not really a ringing endorsement of my show, I guess. But, hey. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, Clay, for joining me. And, yeah, the uh, weird spotlight this week, I believe, uh, what we're going to have. We're going to have another Shang-Chi book. And then also, forget what the other one is. I think it is the Black Knight, uh, King in Black tie-in, and that sort of deal. So maybe we will get the big time next week, me and you, but you'll be back with whatever. I never know what we're doing ahead of time anymore. I am too busy. You're even busier than me. So there you go. But I'm going to go off, hopefully, to Brandon. Hopefully, me and him will be able to record. And it'll work out, and you can hear his lovely tones and hateful views. And uh, we'll go to that right about now. The guy is drunk! You have stolen my dreams! I got a line, it was Sunday night, wrote up my notes. 
to get the feeling right. Brendan that messaged me, he's drinking at his friends, but that was that good of the three. And that's about the time that you passed out on me. He lives in Buffalo, I could not see. I guess it's just beyond the weekend show. Way up there in Buffalo, it's just another Sunday night. Brandon's drunk again, Brandon's drunk again. Ah, uh, yes, Brandon, you're drunk again, aren't you? Oh, jeez, I hit the thing. I meant to hit that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, my goodness. Not yet. I wish. Yeah, not it's yet. only Tuesday. Aren't you drunk on life? Aren't you drunk on no, life and love up lately. there in Buffalo? I'm stuck in this it, damn house. I'm ready to get the hell damn, out of here. I am, too. Snowed uh, the last two days here. It's, yeah, uh, it's very cold deep as hell snow, here. So, yeah, it sucks. Uh, so here we are, and me and you are going to be talking about two King and Black books. I said to you when we picked the books that we or I told you the books that we're going to do. We have to do already the King and Black, Black Knight book. Then we are going to do Gwenum versus Carnage, King and Black, and then also Venom, Killing Black. We can't escape it. I said it's King and Black all day, every day for us now. And we've already kind of gotten sick of that. And I don't see anybody, except maybe Jay from Canada. Actually, Jay from Canada actually is getting pissed off because these tie-ins are not exactly hard-hitting. And he's wondering why he has to spend the money. Because you don't know at first. I mean, this is where they get you. You don't know. So you end up getting the first issue, and then you just have to get that other one. Like, especially like two, three parters, you just don't screw that. I'd be out. I I, I do the Brandon is I cut those off and then sell that one on eBay. Because yeah, I need <laughs> quick before it's anybody eBay has the Brandon. realization to uh know yeah. it's that bad. Yeah, you're like, hey, everybody, King and Black's killing it. It was so great. I bought seven of these issues, but I'll be willing to part with one. <laughs> right? You're there with this thumbs up there. Yeah, Ooh. I just, it's not convincing me uh, that I need to worry about it or need to carry on. But there's nothing else for us to talk about. That, what else are we going to, you know, do besides all these? And these are yeah, like a Venom a big book. It is. It is hijacked. We could have done the uh, the Avengers mech. It, it, well, I'll be doing that later. I, yeah. I figured that I'd take that uh, a little later, and maybe we should have because we're going to start with Gwenum versus Carnage number two. It is written by Sean and McGuire, art by Flaviano and Ig Guerrero. We like Flaviano, but the problem is this art falls apart. Colors by Rico Renzi, letters by VCs Arniana Mayer. Uh, no God of the Symbionts is large and all out of salt on Earth, connected to his armies through a psychic hive mind. Because of the otherworldly nature of Gwen Sue, it is one up out of the few symbiotes Noah has no sway over. It's funny, too, because that seemed like like a thing like, oh, man, that's cool with Scream. You know, like Scream, it can't, it can't but now everybody, it's like, oh, yeah. that, can't there's way too many and, exceptions going. And I don't understand how he doesn't have sway over uh, Gwenum, but, but he's MG, got sway over MG. Carnage when she's yeah. a spawn of Gwenum, essentially. I, but Gwen wasn't careful. She put her roommates and the rest of the Empire State University in danger of being consumed by null symbiotes. In a last-ditch effort to escape the symbiotes and return her universe of Earth-65, Gwen opened a portal with her interdimensional pendant. But the unexpected happened as Mary Jane of Earth-65 came flying through the portal, landing on this null-infested Earth. Now Gwen must face one of her best friends, Carnage. And I'll tell you right now, if you are reading the King and Black stuff and you don't know much about Gwen, you don't know much about Ghost, you don't know much about, you know, the Earth 65 and the idea of what happened with Mary Jane and Gwen, all this stuff. This gives you a kind of an okay deal of 
their relationship, how things worked out, why Gwen came here, all of that wrapped up in basically a trash talking issue with no carnage, Mary Jane and Gwen. I mean, this is the thing of it. You don't really have much going on overall. But it's not bad. The dialogue is okay. I like Gwen. I like the idea. MJ's here as a carnage deal. It's very interesting to me. They just don't do much with it. And at points, the art gets so wacky. And there's no reason for it. There's no reason to make a Del Mundo landscape here. Because that's what it reminds me. It reminds me at points of how much I struggled with Thor. At the beginning of Fresh Start with the art that was more of a flashy style than a storytelling style. And I'll tell you right now, I'm more there for the storytelling. You know, I love great art, but I I don't need somebody going off the, you know, the ranch here and trying to wow you with their nonsense of Mary Jane looking like she's out of some crazy, you know, mad balls deal. Or she actually looks like a garbage pail kid at some point. There's a lot of these. Uh, I, I don't know. I won't say a lot, but there's a nice grouping of these artists that sometimes that just make me long for an old house style of Marvel yeah. comic. You well, know and that's saying? I like to follow the story, and and a lot of times this throws me out. And as you're going through, you end up hitting some pages that are just I I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> where you know you end up at the music. Stop. It looks like they were trying to do watercolors and things got a little carried away on them and it just started running all over the place. Eh, we'll go with that. Yeah, and we're not going to spend too much time on this, but basically the idea of it is is that Mary Jane's pissed off at Gwen. Is it that the Carnage deal is pet mad or is Mary Jane mad because of what Gwen kept doing in yeah. Earth 65 with and the whole band. And now it's just coming out. And now it's coming out because and she's been holding that in and all that. And it ends up being a little column A, column B, where you do have Gwen. I'm not going to fight you. You're my friend. Friends? I don't have friends. Sixth grade, remember? I remember. Peter Parker, see, this is where you're going to get this back up. The idea of we're friends. Don't you remember sixth grade? Mary Jane says, I remember Peter Parker died in your arms. <laughs> it's such a weird deal of yeah, what would no. actually happen. Like, not answering the question. I wasn't talking here, about that, MJ. I was talking about sixth grade. And then, and then remember you left us, which we'll then see a little later, but through the eyes of Gwen, which if you know the story and you know that she did do some things, but a lot of times it was just to keep them out of danger out of that. This is why she came here at points because she needed to get away so that things would not go down and whatnot. But yeah, with that, you end up, uh, MJ picks up a guitar, turns it into this big battle axe. You got that, you got, uh, you know, webs and, and the art falls apart a bunch of times. Mary Jane looks hideous. She's got cool hair though. I will tell you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're they're just chasing a big, a big bottom jaw too. She's got she's got like the uh, <laughs> I don't know what animal has that lower jaw sticking way out above that upper jaw, but she's she's got that going on. Here's where I believe I can kind of put. Now I'd like to say because this is what it, but I would believe that uh, you end up where Gwen's running, Mary Jane's chasing her. They fall into the spot. They fall in and go underneath into the the high mind or the symbiote deal. And then the art changes and the art gets a lot better. Then The actual art there, when you're facing Null, you have Gwen in there and, and pretty much Null says, that's your friend. She's not your friend. She's mad. That's not Carnage. That's Mary Jane. And I was able to grab her, but I want to grab you. And all these things going on. 
And you see that Mary Jane is under the sway, obviously, is Carnage. And Noel is very, very, you know, fascinated by Gwen. But this <laughs> is, like I said, when you end up where there's Carnage or Noel, well, why isn't he chasing down the Ebony Blade now? Now he's just there, all, you know, fascinated by Gwen. Like, these are the things that get me. There's too many tie-ins with Noel just out and about just doing stuff and, and yeah. nothing's connected. Nothing Not ends up urgent. Yeah, doing anything because then, hey, think back on Earth 65. I will. And then you go and there's there's Mary Jane. She's strumming her guitar and, and Gwen before she could afford the, the drum set. She's hitting the long box maybe and like, oh, man, this is awesome. But Gwen, she doesn't listen to Mary Jane. She's not listening to her hopes and dreams. And so they get mad. That's where she's already mad. I'm like, all right. Again, though, I don't mind this because I like the characters. So I don't mind seeing this. We've seen this before, but I do like the characters enough that this isn't no Black Knight where I'm like, God, yeah, no. show me the exit. It's okay. It's, it's standard Gwenum drama, you know, that you get in the, this type of book. And it, it's funny to me because this is a book just for this. We we didn't have a, you know, so it's funny that you almost play it out. Sean, you know, he's playing it out the idea of, like, don't you mess up my book. I'm not going to change it too much. But we, we did have a book. It's just for this. But you're going to end up introducing people to, you know, the MJ and Gwen. And like you said, yeah. their drama. So I, I mean, don't mind not it. A- it's not a tie-in. I feel like I would walk into the store and have to plunk down money to – not a must-buy type situation. But I think if you're a Spider-Gwen follower per se, you know, uh, it does enough to kind of mesh out the conflict between these two while incorporating kind of that King and Black stuff just a, a little bit and enough. And it may get people to be like, oh, my God, that that seems interesting. I'd like to see more of that. I, I get it. And it's just – it's not – an integral part of anything to do with King no, and Black, King and though. Black, I mean, uh-uh. no, so you, you kind of can get sometimes when the books are obviously not that important because it's weird. A lot of them are when when Noel shows up and he doesn't do anything. He just shows up and talks like, oh, my God, Noel's in that. I got to get it. But he doesn't really. He ends up worrying or trying to figure out what's up with with Gwen. And then basically you think at one point that Mary Jane might be safe. She might be able to break out of this, might be able to, you know, get. But it's like, hey, I don't want to get out. I like this. This is me. I'm carnage. That's it. And then you even have, you know, Gwen, but you're not carnage, MJ, please. And then like, no, you're lying. So you're getting that little deal. And we would suspect that the idea, like all of these stories like this is, come on, Mary Jane. You know we love each other, and you can't do this. I'm your best friend, and then she'll be able to force away. She'll start crying, whatever, and go. Because here, she ends up going to kill Gwen and then just stops. I don't have time for this. I got to go because she doesn't want to do it and goes off and then says, I have more people to kill. And then you have Gwen. You're not going to get away from me, MJ. Come back here. And then she just goes off. She goes off, Brandon. So, yeah, it's it's okay. I, yeah, it is. It's I, I, I'm not a fan of the art at all, though. Here, I, I, I not, find well, the, art the beginning annoying. I thought was really bad. It got a little better. It still had that wonkiness to MJ's face, but still. Uh, it actually had a face like every face in a Riley Rossmo book. I just want to mention <laughs> that there. There's my final answer. But with all that, 
Um, I read this after our spotlight book that I had to read, Black Knight. This was so much better. So I probably ended up feeling a lot more positive with this because of that Black Knight. Uh, but I'm going to give this a 6.5. I could even go as high as like a 7 of like, well, if you like Gwen, if you like MJ, you want to see what's going on. If you're a ghost, you could go and check this out. But overall, if you're here for the King and Black, if you need the, you know, to know what's integral, this does not look like it's it. Uh, so what would you give it? Yeah, I, I actually don't disagree with 6.5. I think I'm going to go there as well. Um, but I, I think also that some of King and Black just aggravated me so bad. Like I, I could have read anything after King. I could have read just a yeah, you, that, tax document and I would have enjoyed Black, it more. You're talking about the Black Knight one that we read. Yes, tonight, yes, yeah. that's what I mean. That's what, the King and Knight Black Knight number one. I could have read, you know, just tax paperwork the afterwards and enjoyed Enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed this one. I'm there reading, like, you know, instructions on how to put together an oven. I'm like, boy, this really comes together. Just pick up a random law book and open up a page. I would have a better time. Jokes would hit better. (laughs) But while you're doing that, sit there and go, hello, Wolf. And then you just have the same thing. Read it in a British accent. I I don't know if if people realize, you did not like that Black Knight book one bit. What did you give it? A two? Too. Holy moly. I, but, might, I might go down. It's still aggravating me. I said, I felt like I was reading that for an hour. You sent me a page and I'm like, oh, man, what's that page? I realized it's the page that I have been on for 20 minutes. And Just, I'm like, oh, my God. It, I, it, I was waiting for people to text me. I'm like looking at my phone. Oh, wait, did it go off? No, damn it. I got to go back to reading this yeah, comic you're, book. You're waiting that's... for me to just get a hold of you and say, we are not doing that you know, yes. Black Knight. Oh, my God. Please, not one yeah. more page. Yeah, so we'll go on to the next book, though. And of the books that we're doing, this is easily the best of the bunch, uh, including that Black Knight. You know, you know, Sakes Alive, it's better than that. It's Venom number 33. And we've been yelling about the idea that Venom better be good. Venom better not there there should never be a question is Venom integral to the King and Black story it better be it should be at points we've had issues where Eddie's falling the whole issue stuff like that where (laughs) so it's starting to ramp up the problem I have with this is we're gonna kind of go back a little from what we saw in King and Black number three to reshow something from yeah it is a wonky and it's not wonky of the idea well it came out right after the same week it's it's been a a bit so it, it really threw me off but yeah I, I don't it's also like not the venom portion of the issue that's the wonkiness it's it's the lead up to that yeah, you know it's, it, it, we're kind of well past the that funny point, thing is feel. is it's something that seems to retroactively kind of fix a problem that we had yeah. but it's too like late all the heroes being all the good heroes being not even just venomized. that but Peter, Peter saying to Dylan, let's go. And not yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. And, and this, yeah, I he, think that was my complaint of the last King was. of Black issue. And this read. is where yeah. we actually see that Peter said, whoa, 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 your dad told me to what? Like, that wasn't in the King and Black issue. So no, it, it felt weird. And then we're doing this. I'm like, is this? And then you get that synergy tie in of, I want to go hurt people. And then you're like, okay, here we go. And then we see things from a different view from inside the hive mind, which is okay. But inside the hive mind, we're going to get a lot of, hey, how did you know how to do this? I don't know. Uh, what do you mean you don't know? Yeah, yeah we'll just go. And, and so with it, it's though. A, it's a lot of, uh, 
I don't know. We we got a saying around here: seventeen plus fourteen equals six. So yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of that is. going on here. And, <laughs> and also, it makes me think that after this, we're not going to get Flash. And I want to get Flash. Uh, I want to have Flash. Well, there were about two sentences he said in this book that really kind of crushed it's my like heart. It's like goodbye. Uh, you know, yeah. I'll be the hero and die here. It's like, no, we're, I'm like, we're, no this like, is the way to bring everyone back. Yeah, Follow that way, Flash. Exactly. Don't you dare. Especially with the idea that Donny Cates is leaving the book. Let the whole you know thing be available uh, know. for the next and person. And we're throwing Black Knight number ones and America Chavez number ones back out there. But, you know, no there Flash. There you go. Stop in my dreams. He may be, but we have Venom <laughs> number 33. I'm not going to get involved in that hate of America Chavez. <laughs> I will wait for the book and I will read it. Uh, no. <laughs> the goddess symbiotes has landed on Earth, covering the planet of Symbiote Dome and subjecting all humanity to his army of symbiote dragons. Eddie Brock as Venom attempted to face Null, but was swiftly stripped of symbiote and dropped off the Empire State Building, where he fell for three issues. Crashing into the hood of a truck, <laughs> but not dying. On impact, Eddie's codex spirit left his body and entered the hive, which he did die, but we... Where he reunited with, he, I would died, say he died a couple days later. later. Yeah, a little bit yeah. later. Reunited with Soldier and former symbiote host Rex Strickland. As Rex walks Eddie through the hive, they find that Eddie's physical body has died, unable to admit defeat. Eddie vows to find a way to turn the tide from inside the hive. Rex then introduces Eddie to a familiar face to aid in their battle, Flesh Thompson, Agent Venom. Uh, this is written by Donny Cates, art by Ivan Coelho. And colors by Jesus Urbatov, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And we start off again with this. Okay, we're going to show what we're showing. It's like the director's cut. We, we have the scene you saw, but we're going to turn the camera 45 degrees and you're going to see something different where there is Peter down on Dylan's level. And, and I will also tell you, too, that I don't know if it's me or what, but sometimes Dylan seems like three years older than he usually is. Sometimes he feels two years <laughs> younger. Like the, yeah. the age, he's he got feels, the John Kent disease. Yeah, for he sure. feels really young in this issue. Yeah, like even with that, Spidey's like, "Listen, uh, you know, your dad maybe promised to not get you, you know, in trouble. We're going to keep you now." Right there, I think that Peter's just this is all lip service because he should have kept Dylan in that bunker. Number one, he takes him out of there to see his dad. Eddie's dead. Get him back in that bunker. That doesn't mean you can't take him back there. But they realize, oh, he's going to help. Reed is all into that. Everybody has said, oh, my God, because when that symbiote dragon that Tony ended up switching DNA in with the extremis armor and going down and trying to bond it with Eddie, it was killing him. She ended up dying anyway. But then Dylan freaked out and dissipated the deal off of him. So they know what he can do, at least that bit. And they figure this is our main weapon. This is our big deal. Dylan's going to be the solution. Um, but here, Peter, and we were upset about this before, says, you don't have to do it. It's up to you. But he does say, I want to hurt some people. He's mad. His dad's dead. All of that going on. And so with that, they are going to go out. We saw this. We saw that Cap is already going to get saved by Dylan and ending up doing that now. With this, everybody seems to get saved right away, which seemed weird because, again, director's cut. We're going into the hive mind to see it happen, where in the, the issue of King of Black 3, we ended up seeing Dylan go and save Cap, who was disoriented and all that. But what we get in this is as they are in what they think is the hive mind. And this is, I, I think, this is a Donnie Cates thing, too, in my mind, is the idea that you think you're at the big thing, like, oh, we're in the hive mind. Then you find out, 
This was never the high mine. It's only mine. level one, one, not level one, two. Yeah, yeah. there's a hivier mine that we got to get to <laughs> because what else are they going to do here? And this is almost like this is the storage area. We don't need to be here, though they kept saying that this was what. But you end up where all of the heroes, they start to disappear from inside the hive mine. They start to go down and whatnot as we go back out and see, you know, Cat being saved, all these things going on. But even before that, you get a nice moment with Eddie and Flash. And one of the things is this points out a thing that me and you really wanted. We really thought that you were going to have Eddie with the Flash Codex earlier in the series where all of a sudden you would have the Flash Thompson symbiote with Eddie and they could talk like th- we wanted that so bad. Yeah, yeah. And you ended up having Eddie at his grave and all that saying, you know, you were a hero, you were a great guy, all that. And you have a little nice moment here where, you know, Donny Cates is trying to like step back a little and have a little bit more fun with this where I heard what you were saying. I think I saw a tear. I was going through rough times. It's nice enough. What what oh, makes yeah, me I upset like though is I'm like this is what we wanted before, and yeah, now we that we the might two in one joint. Yeah, we wanted it. We thought that was going to be so cool. It was going to be Flash cool. as the symbiote. Like and it that. really, really seemed like it was setting that up. Maybe it still will. Maybe that's what we get out of this. Maybe with that, that's what it'll finally get to. But again, it would be weird to say. I did all this. I'm going to leave. But whoever re- writes it next is forced to have Flash symbiote. Like, that would be yeah. odd. But sometimes things well, by happen the, like by that. The, by the end result here of what he's doing, he turns into a giant anti-venom dragon. I'm not sure he's dead dead, you know. He could come back from that. I maybe. think he might get dead dead later, though. I don't know. <laughs> and I, It just – I wanted to see more of, you know, Agent Venom Flash just rooting, tooting, and shooting is what I wanted to – like him and Eddie going at. But the dragon part, I'm like, it's not really what I wanted from Flash. Uh, But while that's going on, like I said, they end up where Dylan, and it looks really cool. I mean, he has the shield, which is a funny thing because they didn't really show that great in the King of Black 3. But I did say, why did he give the shield back to Cap? Now it looks cool. And he's going to town. He is saving everybody. He's he's super powerful. Doesn't really... You don't even get the just he, he has a great grasp of what he's doing yet. He's just kind of reacting. And, you know what and doing upsets what me can. about it? For some reason, when I saw it, I'm like, ah, oh, reminds me Franklin doesn't have any power. So I'm like, that's what Franklin <laughs> used to do. And it kind of a little kid going. But he ends up where he's saving all of these heroes. And you see them pretty much disappearing, almost like the Thanos snap inside the hive mind. They're disappearing because Eddie realizes, oh, my God. Dylan is out and about now with that I think that it's a little misplay I think that yeah it's great these heroes are being saved and even says oh my god they're hurting all this shows Eddie that his son is in the battle he did not want that one one percent half a percent he did not want anything he should be so worried at this point he should not be laughing he should not be smiling he should be saying I need to get out there now because no matter what this is almost the idea in my mind of you're winning the battle. You are going to lose the war if Dylan is out there in the fight because Noel just comes and grabs him. It's over. It is over. Yeah. And and not even just that. That's his son. So he's there laughing. Although oh, my Noel, God. Even though Noel has you know stated repeatedly throughout this King and Black stuff, he's wanted nothing but really Dylan. That's been his main focus. Here, he, Dylan's out and about, and he like forsakes that whole plan and 
and to stop Eddie from, uh, you know, getting out of the hive or, or whatever he thinks that he's doing yeah, down here. That's that, what his focus is. He's goes. concentrating right now. We find out that he's duping Eddie and Rex is actually, you know, controlled or, you know, no. So they're going through. But even with that, you don't have Rex leading them. Play. Like, Rex seems to be like, I don't know what's going on. I don't uh, know what this is. He's an afterthought this entire You know what issue, I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. when you end up, is is no confused about what goes on in the hive mind? And what goes, cause he's like, <laughs> why do you think that? I'm like, is he just trying to like, <laughs> so that when Eddie says something wrong, he can like, haha, you're an idiot. I Because they end up where they're in the deal. Oh my God, you know what? This isn't the hive mind. What do you mean? I don't know, but I see this big giant red spot where it looks like things are kind of pulling apart because of the damage that Snow's taking, even though Null's kind of controlling a guy right there, but he ends up going over to this. Not Yeah, I, this is the other part that bugs me a little bit. They're like leaving the staging area. They just saw all these heroes get pulled back up from where they're at. I don't know why they would leave this place if you know, this is technically where they get sent off from. And this was also where they had gone and they were looking for the codexes and the symbiotes and, and Eddie's symbiote. But they end up going through. It's like, all right, there's a weak membrane here. I'm going to look through. It could be heaven. It could be hell. Oh, my God. It looks like hell. Where do you ever think that? It'd be funny. They go through this and it's like just this great, you know, fantasy land of unicorns. Just pillows and, and kegs of beer everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So they, they go out. Oh, my God. It looks terrible. It reminded me so much of like the uh, old man Logan when they were using that portal into the wasteland. They go in like, oh, crap, stuff has gone wrong. But like, okay, this is it. We can do this. And then just everything in this just to me, and I still like it, but it's just a coincidence after a coincidence of, okay, we're just going to go through here at this exact time, but with. Eddie leading, not Rex, like, hey, come with me. I know what this is. Yeah, and then the people have been hanging out just, here for Just as this, you know, these other symbiotes that are in prison because they can't be controlled and they're not connected. Like, what's going on with this? To me, these would have been burned or destroyed anyway, but they're just there. They're being marched around so that you can end up having flash and his hero moment which really upset me i'm like oh he's gonna die eventually and he's like hey guys i'm gonna do this i'll go down i'll end up freeing these symbionts and i'll get them with me this is a way we can fight we'll buy all this stuff and then hey eddie you go find your other you meet up with me we'll be able to take the fight to them your son's already doing great we'll be able to do good so flash does go off and he does end up as he's going. And, and the big thing about it is there's continuously this mention of when we do this, Noel's going to find out when we do the. But yet when they do it, he's already not, like it doesn't jive with me fully. But you end up having, you know, Flash go down and like he does. Oh, my. It's like, you know, two minutes left and I'm Josh Allen. I'm scrambling. I got to go. <laughs> oh, no, my arms cut off. I, I gotta, and like, oh, my God, Josh Allen, he's missing an arm. Hail Mary. And time. He, Hail Mary he throws a grenade. And blows these to free these symbiotes that come with them. And again, missing arm to a in the mind codex of a symbiote deal. It, it's not really a big deal. And he ends yeah. up being turned up in a toe. Yeah, he turns into, you know, a dragon there. And he ends up, and there is a nice moment again with Flash and Eddie as they go to do this. And Eddie says, Good luck. Eddie's smiling a lot too much in this. But, you know, yeah, the whole Flash's deal. Flash's blue, creepy eyes are really. Putting yeah, a hole yeah, in yeah. my soul too. Yeah, really. I don't know what's yeah. going on here. And, and so when Flash <laughs> is going, even when he you know gets the whole Agent Venom deal, so cool. 
And, and he's like, okay, I'll go do it. And I'm like, I just want these two together in a book. I really like it. But yeah, they go off and Flash goes down. I mean, he's sliding down a mountain. It, it looks very, again, Deadpool-esque where he's just shooting as he's going down. He ends up getting his arm cut up, but he does do the Hail Mary, gets it, and then turns into pretty much anti-Venom Dragon, like you said earlier, and is just going to town. Eddie, I guess I wouldn't want to shirt myself. I mean, this guy's going around <laughs> like he's Conan. But I don't he, think they make shirts that fit him. I he's know, so really. Cut. I mean, really, in one panel, I mean, his arms are huge, but he's like, hey, uh, Rex, Flash broke the symbiotes out. He downloaded his codex into one of them, and now he's it. It's funny, too. It's like, hey, get this. It, Flash went down, he smashed that thing He put the gun, now he's a dragon for crying out loud But he's like, alright, we can do this Let's go, it's our chance And then from behind, Rex grabs him By the neck, and he's like, Rex, what are you doing? And and seriously I Is this Donny Cates scrolling with people? Because you see then The morphing over This is not Rex, it's Null He ends up holding Eddie Over the side the of the cliff And says, why does this feel f- So familiar? And I can only think that we're going to get another issue of him falling for a whole issue. I'll, I'll be very upset. But overall, this this is an issue that I like enough, but it, it's kind of going with the pattern that we don't like. And a pattern that we even have at DC with, say, Scott Snyder, Metal, Death Metal, the idea that just at the point when the heroes seem to be doing a little bit good, it throws that it's a dupe and they're in trouble again. And and <laughs> you said the idea, he wants Dylan so, so bad. Eddie might be getting ready to do some bad things in the high mind, all these things, but you get what you really want. Don't extend, you yeah, know, yeah. and then, then all this ends anyway. And really the idea of all this always comes back to no is so bad ass. He wants Dylan, but really the other end game is he's just going to destroy Earth. Which he seems he could do at any time. He he's pretty much done anything he wanted to do. I feel like do. he's done it three times yeah, already. He's, he's, he's bored with he it. He can do that so easily, but yet he's playing around. He's doing this to extend a story, and I'm saying extend a story that involves tie-ins that equal over fifty issues. And yeah, so don't in do the much. in the main two, again, I think that you would agree with me if somebody said which ones should I read, which ones of the King of Black I can't buy too many i can buy two i can buy three whatever you're gonna pick venom and king and black the main book those will be the yeah. first two those are the and must reads if you just end up reading those right now get rid of that nonsense like i just forget about that because half of these times though not much has happened in this story this overall story i mean even this issue spends a quarter of it replaying what happened in king and black three we had an issue of venom which we keep joking where eddie fell the whole entire issue we had <laughs> issues of even king and black where everybody's standing around the issue that was a you know a big issue when you end up having dylan die or not dylan uh eddie die i mean a lot of that issue was just standing around talking about things going and so with this all it's just I, I need something. I'm, I'm still waiting after all these issues, and we're we're getting near 30 issues total. I'm still waiting for something to wow me in a way that I think that this is an awesome story that I have to keep reading, and I haven't found it yet. And I don't it's think rinse I'm going to. It's and repeat with this dragon nonsense. Oh, we need a big bad. Let's just throw another dragon in there that can be killed this issue, and we'll we'll worry about it next issue. And then you just get another dragon, and and it keeps going around and around in a circle, and. I don't know. This time we had a good guy dragon, at least. I guess that was different. So tonight we even had 
you know, Black Panther dragons in yes. the Black Knight book. That's what they look like. They look like that. But yeah, so overall, I think I'm going to give this a seven. I'm going to be positive with it. I like the art. I, I Bon Koalo, I, I really do like. And we do get some moments with Flash that I really, really like. It's just that by the end, you didn't really do that much except repeat what we had and then kind of go a little bit forward. But I'll still go seven as a positive tip. But what would you give it? Yeah, I'll also give it a seven because I did like it better than uh, Gwenum. It was my favorite issue of the night by far. And I, I like kind of, you know, the Flash stuff that we got, the Flash Thompson moments and the Flash the Flash uh, Dragon was cool. This was the best art of the night. So, you know, it's an issue I enjoyed. I, I, I'm in your boat, though. Like, I, I'm just getting worn out with King and Black. I'm, I'm kind of I'm ready for the next thing. I don't think this Heroes Reborn nonsense is going to be the thing that hooks me. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Heroes Reborn and whatever, we're going to get an Avengers book that yeah. doesn't have the Avengers. Imagine that. That's what yeah. we get every month. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's all we get. That's when he, when it's you, the Marvel it's, Initiative. It's a big idea to me to find out that we're going to have an Avengers book with the Avengers always in it. I mean, not just it's nonsense, but we'll uh, personal opinion, just from an outside uh, outsider looking in. Uh, since this whole like Marvel Endgame movie stuff ended, it feels like Marvel is just kind of swimming without a purpose right now. Like they, they're trying to stay away from the main Avengers and, and build up new characters and things. And I don't know. I'm personally just not as interested as, as I used to be well, in do both. You, like do you the think movie it is side because in the comics, do you think it is because they're going to have to, you know, Robert Downey Jr. All these guys are getting old or they're not even doing it anymore that they, they are trying to push some other things maybe yeah, to get yeah, people. I, on. And I don't even know some of the news you even see out there is like, they're trying to get Chris Evans back for this and get di- like I, if you're moving on, move on and try something different and see how that works. But I think they're already getting cold feet with some of that stuff. And, Are you watching um, WandaVision at all? I watched the first two yesterday. I I didn't hate it. I'm not I'm not in love with. It. I'm not Gaga. Over I really it, I like the Mandalorian I, better. I like yeah, the latest. Sure. The latest episode kind of gets things going. Uh, a okay. little bit more, I think you'll yeah, like, like the it. The novelty was fun the first episode. The second episode, I I honestly started kind of, I'm like, all right, I, I don't know how many more of this. You don't need more watch. Bewitched. That was one no. of my favorite shows, it, and it was 100% that, especially the second episode. Yeah. Like, but, I enjoyed it for the first half no, hour. No, it picks but like, up. I think okay. that you should watch the Keep other going. show. Because we're at number yeah, four, right. right? I've actually watched all of them, so that shows you that something's going on. Yeah, I think there's on. four out. Yeah, so. yeah. once you get the number four, it really starts to open up at least the mystery and stuff, and you'll be like, holy crap. Also, uh, there was there was a, a girl that shows up in it that I, I, I don't know anything about the show going in, so every time I watch it, I have no idea, and I'm sure that it was known she would be in it, but it actually made me smile because I do like her, and I liked her character, in in the movie that she was in or the movies so i thought that was a pretty cool deal and like i said the mystery kind of opens up a bit more to figure out what is going on and who's doing it and why and stuff so i, I suggest you you go and watch it brendan right going. now yeah, yeah i, keep I started going. watching it with the wife so she'll she'll be the one kind of egging me on more than just by myself me and zach since we're quarantined together i've been watching it and he just yells about it all the time because he doesn't want to know i'm trying to tell him like well you know that wanda she ended up doing this and then you know and i still think this is all to bring back the x-men but still you know i'm trying to tell him he's like i don't need to hear that nerd stuff 
I'm like, listen, so listen, pal, you gave me the COVID. You're going to hear this nerd stuff, whether you like it or not. That's basically what I told him. And Payback, then bitch. I, I sit there and we're, we're watching it. He puts in his earbuds. I'm like, you son of a gun. I'm going to get you. Uh, but yeah, Ethan, though, uh, he watches it upstairs and then yells down to me. Hey, did you see that? And I'm like, yes, I did. So he's enjoying it. So it's it's pretty good. But I'm going to go off now. I have a couple books on my own. Thank you for joining me, Brandon. And yes, we'll go to that now. All righty. And we're going to continue on with a book that it'll probably be pretty quick here. Avengers Mech Strike number one, written by Jed McKay, art by Carlos Magno, colors by Guru FX. Letters by VCs Corey Petit, and I am going to read you the solicit for this because actually there's not really a you know recap deal because it is the first issue, and pretty much the recap is just explaining the Avengers. We don't need that. We know all about them. The Avengers are confronted with an unstoppable new menace, one that is seemingly impervious to their every strength. But the Avengers aren't so easily beaten. And when new threats arise, powerful new tools must be brought to bear. Join the Avengers as they battle a brand new enemy and begin the deadly game of chess with a shadowy mastermind. You don't get a lot in this issue. You don't even get the mech until pretty much the cliffhanger. Now, with that, I do want to keep using the Transformers sound, right? You can have fun with that. Not the bionic sound. No $6 million man here. We're, we're transforming, right? I'm just trying to spice this up because there's not much to it. What this book is, it's funny, too, because I keep complaining. I think I might have even complained earlier because I always do about the Avengers never having the Avengers in. It's never an Avengers story. Well, this is what you get when you want that Avengers story, but there's not much going on. I think Jed McKay is really good. I've enjoyed Jed McKay's Taskmaster so far and really like what he does with Black Cat. This, though, feels like a book that is made to try to get people who like the movies, who want to jump into the books. This might be one of those where you can say, hey, try this first. You know, maybe try that. The story is very action packed. It's like a Michael Bay movie going here with the the Avengers, which the Avengers, including Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, Spider-Man and, uh, you know, it's a pretty cinematic team there. And so they, they end up having this giant <laughs> biomechanical monstrosity, Cthulhu monster, freaking Kaiju hit Cleveland. And it's bringing it down. And as it goes, it is actually morphing and growing as it ends up eating buildings and cars and everything else. And so the Avengers are called in to try to stop it. And the more energy, like at one point, Captain Marvel ends up shooting the monster, but it is able to consume that energy and then get stronger. It doesn't get taken down. They have to get the Hulk away from him because of his gamma, all these things. So they, they're going to have to figure out a new way to go at it. The problem is, is that this first fight where we're learning this, Thor ends up hitting it. It doesn't kill it. it you know, you can't bring this down. Eventually what happens is, you end up having Black Panther jump into its mouth with the theory that it won't be able to stomach the vibranium. The idea that it might get a little bit of a tummy ache. It's kind of a take on the idea of let's give the aliens a cold, shall we? 
But this is let's give the biomechanical kaiju a tummy ache. And it does work. It almost does kill Black Panther. But this fight takes up legitimately three quarters of the issue. And it's okay. It, it it just it feels like it's like a deleted scene from an Avengers movie is all it, it feels like. Nothing really is that, you know, stupendous. And I'm oh my god, I can't believe this. Oh my god, look what's happening. And and even with that, the art's really good. And the art also, if you want to really go with the fact that this is the cinematic type universe deal, you, you end up with a lot of the characters looking like the actors that portray them to a T. So you, you kind of get that, but. It does end up where they go back to Avengers Mountain, things like that. So if you're into the deal, you'll you'll kind of get a little stuff. But that doesn't take away from the fact that this really feels like a beginner's Avengers story so far. But at least you get the Avengers, I guess. I've been bitching about it a long time now. So at least you get that. And it's funny because Tom Brevoort is the editor on this, and he's a major editor anyway. But he's the one that was defending Jason Aaron's Avengers to Brandon. On Twitter saying that there's plenty of Avengers and we don't need any more Avengers. And then all of a sudden he's editing a book where we're definitely getting more Avengers. And this may be something of a book like, man, we got to get something that people who just want the Avengers in action, that's the book they'll get. And that's where, by the end, I want to explain why that's not exactly what I want. And that kind of gets me upset that maybe Marvel and Tom Brevoort thinks that's what somebody like me wants. But They're trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? And the way that they progress this, they do end up taking down this kaiju. And they come out, and then they go, and they pick at its brain. They can't figure out everything. But it is the third. It's called the third. Like, the third? Well, what about the other two? Well, that shows that there's at least two more out there. They're going to have to prepare. There's probably going to be an attack. They might have retaliation. All this stuff going on. To have Tony then reveal that he is always working on big giant mech suits these are like hulk busters time 20 but there's each one each member has a you know a transformer that is also built to kind of go with their power set and their equipment and stuff like that now it's funny too because in this you almost want to get that feel of like batman with the contingency plan like you you want to think that they're going to react in a bigger way that he's had these build or whatever, but they, they don't even get excited. Like, all right. And they kind of get these little gauntlet things that are going to control that. And then they're going to go in. They do point out that the gauntlet that ends up being able to control, it also has a gun option. Obviously this will come up because a gun, well, you don't really need that. That's kind of the love. Yeah. Yeah. They'll need it. Somebody's going to need that. It's going to save their butt, but they're going to get into the mech deal and they're going to go out and like i said it's pretty much the last couple pages where you actually then finally see the mech and then you end up where they all jump in right and then they go and transform their ass and fly over water well while this is going on i guess they're taking them for a joyride maybe testing well then you end up seeing what look like mother boxes slash tesseracts slash organic nonsense that are all over the place. You have one in uh, Tianjin, then you have Birmingham, Montreal, Kiev, Tal- Tallahassee, and then it just says at the end to be continued. And you see a little thing where it's the Hulk Buster Bustering the Buster hitting this other kaiju thing, and it's okay. It's okay. Th- this is like one of those 
non-offensive type things that it's kind of what I thought. I actually thought that this is just going to be, you know, an action beat em up. Oh, look, it's just like the movie. And this is what, and this is in my mind, just nonsense. This is me making up fights in my mind with people. But you have a lot of people. It's not just me and Brandon, obviously, saying, boy, this Avengers book, we need more Avengers. We need some Avengers action. Uh, I see it all the time. I see that the reviews are not going well for the Avengers book, especially since, like, the first, after the first issue of the, Age of Khonshu, I think that's when people really started realizing, wait a minute, Jason Aaron's setting up these big things, but they don't fully pan out. Plus, we're not really getting the Avengers. So a lot of people have joined in on that. And I just it, it irritates me thinking there's Tom Brevoort is like, what? Oh, those people, they're dumb. They just want the movie and they just want mindless action. So let's just give them what they want then. And this is what we get. But you, you don't have to go that far extreme to the idea of making a book have the Avengers in it. You, you really don't. You, you can actually make a smart story that ends up being intriguing. And, you know, you don't even set up really a mystery in this. It's just there's the kaiju biomechanical being. It gets knocked out because it can't eat <laughs> vibranium. And then with that, they pick at its brain, oh, there's more, let's get the mech suits. There's really not much to it. It really feels, again, I said it feels like a deleted scene to an Avengers movie. This just feels like what would be like a Avengers Saturday morning cartoon episode. Just one episode. Oh, hey, let's get this. Maybe we'll sell some toys with the mecha. Oh, man, it works. See, you have that. And it just, I kind of got annoyed thinking, this is what you think we want. That's kind of not it. I'll wait to see next issue, though. It, it could improve. You can end up because we, we don't even get the Mecca until the end. You want to see the Mecca, want to see some things. But I, I have a feeling we're just going to have giant robots punching each other and, and going after this Kaiju deal. Also, I want to mention that when you are and if you are reading, you know, say the current Spider-Man stuff with uh, Nick Spencer or any sort of recent Spider-Man. This is definitely like, let's, you know, take Peter back. Let's do the movie, Peter, who's, you know, cracking wise constantly and even acts like he doesn't understand what's going on half the time. And it kind of threw me off a little with that. But I like seeing Black Widow on the team. You know, you got some things. Captain Marvel shows up, blast some things. Overall, though, I'm giving it a six. Giving it a six. It's the art looks good. It's just not much. There's not much of a connective tissue here, not much that would wow people. It's just there. Again, if you have somebody who's like, man, I'd like to read an Avengers comic, and they're new to it, they'd probably be better off reading this than, say, jumping into the whole Phoenix deal in the Jason Aaron Avengers right now. But I do think that this is out just so that you can have that option uh, and get some Avengers. But I'm going to move on to the last book, last book, a book that, most people love, they adore, they want to marry it, they want to take it to the prom, whatever you do, uh, and it is Hulk. Immortal Hulk, that is. And the Immortal Hulk number 43 is written by Al Ewing, pencils by Joe Bennett, inks by Rui Jose and Ballardino Bravo, and colors by Paul Mounts and letters by VCs Corey Petit. And yeah, I'm having problems reading. I'm also getting irritated. My neighbor's they end up, they redid their basement. I'm here in this crappy basement, the Black Mold Studios. I have been forced down here. And in the winter, not so fun, but I've been forced down here because my kids are too darn loud and I can't record anywhere in the house without them being too loud. So I end up 
coming down to the basement, cleaning out a space, and it, it's awful down here and whatnot. But now these neighbors who would legitimately just blare music at all times of the day and night upstairs have now decided just to do it in their basement, and now it's it's driving me nuts. And it's getting to the point where it's hard for me even to find anywhere to record. I'm going to start recording outside in the backyard, and that wouldn't go well. Also, just imagine you're sitting here, and you got to sit through Two hours of a Kid Rock Fest. That's all I keep hearing. I, I think they own one CD. And I think it's CD because th- that's what they're playing, old shit. And I'm an old guy. And I don't need a Kid Rock Fest going on. Holy moly. I can't take it. And this Immortal Hulk number 43. Here's the solicit because, again, you end up having the Immortal Hulk not having any sort of recap thing. That is not Al Ewing's deal. He ain't got time for that, you know? New York City holds 8 million people and harbors one monster. Oh, my God. Who is that? Is is that, you know, I don't know. He's going to make up a a George Steinbrenner deal. He's dead, so he's not there. A creature of chaos and anarchy. How how dare I? (laughs) Driven by rage and contempt for the structures of man. Derek Jeter. But I think he lives in Tampa Bay area. His criminal activities continue even while the beast is hidden in the skin of an ordinary human. But don't be afraid, citizens. This radioactive disease has a cure. And I'm the, I don't know, the UFOs are here and they're going to kill the Hulk. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. stolen my dreams. So you get this issue and after the cliffhanger last issue of the UFOs, I thought, okay, we're going to get a full out UFOs versus Hulk fight. We're going to get there eventually, but you got to weed out the Hulk. You're going to have to draw the Hulk out, uh, but it's going to happen in a way that Joe Fixit and the Hulk decide they're going to have to be heroes, even though throughout the whole issue, you do have Joe Fixit trying to show you how they survive. And it's a funny deal. It reminds me of, say, a Barry Bonds when you find out all these people are doing steroids back in the day. You know, this will probably go with the Kid Rock festival going on over there, but one thing that struck me when you end up having this whole steroids deal in baseball was that Barry Bonds thought ahead and said to his trainer, don't ever tell me what you're doing. Don't ever tell me what I'm injecting. Don't ever tell me what I'm rubbing on my knees and drinking and doing, because then I can be implicated in it. I could end up perjuring myself. I want to be able to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't do it because then you don't know. And that's kind of Joe Fixit. Joe Fixit is the steroids of the deal because when he ends up being himself and they wake up naked when the Hulk is always needing new clothes, he needs some money. Like, where does the Hulk get money? Where does he get clothes? He's been in trouble at times for grabbing clothes and trying to grab them. So we do see, like, the day in the life of Joe Fixit moneymaker. And it's good. It is. I'm I'm telling you, it is good. It is a really neat little peek into what happens when the Hulk isn't the Hulk and people have to then do things to keep the whole machine working. And at the one point where I brought up the steroids, if that made no sense to you, you end up having Joe fix it, say to himself, well, I wonder if Bruce would care about this. He doesn't know about it. And then figures, no, no, no it's best he doesn't know because he probably has some problems. So that's the whole deal with me that kind of you know, kind of tweak my interest here with it. But it's one of those things, though, if you're going in and you're already sick of, say, this week having 
you know, the Phoenix Force tell Thor, hey, I'm your mom. Or you're sick of Donny Cates rewriting the whole mythos of the whole deal with the Venom and the symbiote stuff and that. Maybe this will get you like, yeah, I don't need to see. Like, this was always a given. I don't need to see you filling in a blank that really I never thought of being blank. You know, this would be like, oh, my God, how does Aquaman get all the money? And you see that he's just going and grabbing treasure. He's there grabbing treasure underneath and then maybe taking photos uh, of sea life. I don't know. He sells those. He's making documentaries. Uh, so, But it's neat. I, I don't mind seeing it. And I like the idea that what Al Ewing does here is not just getting money. It's not just Joe Fixit bumping into this rich a-hole, stealing his wallet. But then it's the process. He then goes to a jewelry store. Now, with that, what I do like really is that he's playing a game to stay out of sight. He's almost trying to do the idea of being in plain sight to hide. He's Joe Fixit. He looks like a scumbag. I mean, the guy looks like he has hepatitis. I don't care what you say. But he goes in to the jewelry store, puts on the glasses. He has the toothpick. I mean, really, he's like Razor Ramon here. He goes in. He's like, yeah, I'll take that damn ring. Uh, for my wife, and then I'll take that necklace. That's not for my wife. You know what I'm saying there, baby? You want to go out with me tonight? Hey! And he's being so over-the-top sleazy that that's all she'll remember. It's very smart. It's a very smart deal. Like, if he just went in and he's like nervous, not saying it, the person's going to look at him a little more. And the, But once you go so over-the-top skeezy, sleazy, uh, you're going to be that. That's it. When somebody comes in, because the Hulk is known to be in this area of New York City. They're trying to find him. And so if they go into this jewelry store, even maybe they see a surveillance deal and it looks like, boy, that kind of looks like some. But they go in like, hey, uh, what's going on? Did anybody? No, no. The only one was this real scumbag that came in and was like, I don't know. He's yelling about having like six girls. Like that. that's smart. It's pretty smart. Well, he goes off and then the whole process continues where he buys the jewelry with the rich a-hole's credit card that he stole from him, pickpocket, gets the jewelry, goes and takes that to a pawn shop, and you figure that he would. And then you have, again, this back-and-forth deal maybe last a little too long. Maybe, again, maybe this is a, a question nobody asks, that sort of thing, but he ends up because he doesn't have ideas to set less money, but he gets enough and goes. And he's like, yep, that's how the money comes. That's where we get the money. And uh, okay. Okay, it makes sense. It's it's a nice little thing. But what you get in this issue is a lot of setup, a lot of, you know, clever little things like that. I don't even know if that's set up. Did we really need to know how the Hulk gets money? Because then you go off to some things that you want to see. You want to see the UFOs, and you do, but they're just training. And actually, they're there with Gritch kind of giving them you know, hey, this is our resume, Gritch. Look what I can do. And they're just fighting a robot Hulk. And then even by the end of this whole session, Vapor, she doesn't even have a Hulk robot left. It's destroyed. Everybody's just ripping through it, showing their new things and what they can do. Vapor then ends up being able to go and with these uh, volunteer, human volunteers, Ends up with tear gas going. And and what's funny, if you are reading all the books, you ended up having Vapor as the one who ended up taking out Hercules in the Maestro book, which is that's kind of a, a cool little deal there. But then 
you go off and again you're just gonna be doing some things that set up stuff get stuff going because you go off to new mexico to the original gamma bomb site the shadow base site g that they had where you end up having sasquatch doc samson with puck and also shaman and if you don't know Shaman, I, I found that I didn't know much of Shaman. I did find out that he has one of the most unfortunate names, Dr. Two Young Men. <laughs> that is, you know, that's crazy. But he ends up where he's there and he even says, I don't, I don't want you to call me that. But they're at the Shadow Base deal and they're looking off and, hey, we got to get down below. And everything that they say to Shaman's like, Boy, you didn't tell me that that was going to be, you know, this is more of a problem than I thought. Oh, well, we have to do this. Well, that's more of a problem as well. But they end up where they're like, oh, my God, because they're going to get the bodies that are down in the deal. They want to get Walter Langowski's body. They want to get Doc's body. They want to get all these bodies out of that shadow base that were left there. And they go and they're like, oh, my God, I think the bodies are coming out after us. And then we end up getting that monstrosity. That comes out that we had earlier that even included Rick Jones there and the original deal, that original gamma patient from the beginning of the series. So like, okay, well, we'll go get that. So you end up that sets up that and then we move on. And and also, I just want to say that when you ended up having the UFOs and talking to Gritch, the big deal is they can't get a bead on Joe Fixit. But if he becomes the Hulk. They'll be right there. They know they have actually taken a sample of the Hulk. And if he ends up popping up, he's done. They'll be able to go boom and teleport right in and start fighting. Well, the whole deal is Joe Fixit. He ain't going to fall for that. He, he's going to be Joe Fixit. He's not going to let anything go. I'm not going to let the Hulk out. He walks up and it, it's a pretty cool thing when you go through the second time because you see the police pulling up. You see... Uh, you know, you see Joe, he's walking, he's drinking some coffee, and you see a kid in a green jacket coming towards him. They pass each other, and then the police go, hey, you, hey, Hulk guy. And Joe's like, oh, God, they got me. Oh, my God. And then the, you in the hoodie. And he's not wearing a hoodie, huh? Well, then you go and see that this kid that walked by, Joe has a Hulk smash hoodie. We had seen that, kind of like the cult of Hulk going, where they were going and having protests and things. So you end up having the police chasing this young kid down. They even push Joe aside and, and spill his coffee. Holy moly, what are they doing? And, and so they end up, though, they're really beating up this kid. It's just a kid. He didn't do anything. He just has a Hulk jacket on. They slam his face into the wall throughout all this. You end up where... In a cool deal where you end up having Joe uh, next to a bookstore where he's looking in the window and sees the reflection of Hulk. Hulk wants to come out and help. Joe doesn't want it because he knows this would expose him. But this kid is just getting beaten up too bad. And then Joe's like, all right, you know what? Should we do it? Should we be heroes? And he's like, all right, we'll do it. And remember, though, that this is kind of an emaciated Hulk, but it's still a Hulk. I mean, it's not going to be able to fight. The UFOs, maybe, wink, wink, but it can certainly maybe save a kid getting beat up by two cops. So he does end up picking up a car and throwing it. Problem is, you end up having the UFOs and Gritch, they already have a bead on him. The, the minute that he goes, there's a bead. The police run away. He is, Hulk ends up ripping and throwing the police cars and smashing them. They run away, and then all of a sudden, you see him get hit. 
by some energy and he's just laying down as the ufos are there already taking him down so that ends the deal you have a pretty cool cliffhanger like oh my god here we go the funny thing is though is like if they kill Hulk, he kind of goes down. Like, there's a lot of things that have gone on that kind of lessen the idea of, oh my God, they're going to capture him. Oh my God, they're going to kill him because we've seen this over and over. But it is a good issue. And again, the part, the beginning with how, you know, the Hulks get money and how Joe Fix it, the slime, it, he's the one. And he's, I like the idea because that does continue that cogs in the machine. You know, the whole machine, the well-oiled machine that's going, it's not so well-oiled now because it's separated. But you do see a little more of what's needed by some of them, why these personas are there and what they have to offer. Again, though, it did seem like ah, I, I wanted to get to the UFOs. I wanted to see that stuff. And then even with, you know, Samson and Puck and Shaman, they're going off of like, okay, you, you, they can just do their thing. I really want to see more UFOs. We get that at the end. So overall, I'm still going to give it an 8 out of 10. The art's really good. It always is. And the story's intriguing. What I'm going to say, though, and I hope that people would agree, when you're when you're reviewing this book, you're reviewing it against itself. You know, you've had issues that are so incredible. And you've had stories, even, you know, whole arcs that were like, oh, my God, that blew my mind. So when you do get kind of a setup issue or like it does feel a little more down than, say, another book like The Avengers. I still like this way better than what we're getting with Jason Aaron's Avengers, but I'm I'm rating it within its own self. So this one and I still rate it an eight. I, I don't know why I'm running scared giving it an eight, but I get a lot of people yelling at me lately. A lot of people just we go through ebbs and flows. With, with the websites and the and the podcasts where, you know, for one month, everybody's like, yeah, you know, patting us on the back. Man, you're the honest ones. You guys don't fake the funk. You guys. Are, and then like two months later, we're attacked. Oh, you're negative. You're a jerk. And then a month later, I'm getting, oh, you're too positive. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I, I never can win. And that's the thing. Positivity and negativity are one thing, but honesty should win the day. Honesty should be the factor for everything, whether you are negative or positive. And I'd like to think that a lot of times when I talk about things positive or negative, I'll have reasons why I'm positive or negative. I hate these places that one guy, and I'm not going to name names, maybe later, but not name names. This guy, this guy goes and everything's the best he's ever read. And he, it's a podcast. Everything's the best they ever read. But yet they have no reasons. And then you say, well, why is that so great? Well, that's my opinion, dude, because it is. But yet we'll say we're all like, well, I don't really like that. And that could have been better. Oh, well, you're just negative. And this guy, you give a nine and he's mad. So this guy was giving me the business all week. And I just I kept getting messages from him. I'm like. Really? Like, you're going to just hinge on this one thing? And I'm like, I, I don't want to listen to you. But I don't like blocking people on uh, Twitter. I just say, you know, please, just do your thing. Do your nonsense. And and that's the thing. I don't like forced or fake negativity. I also don't like forced or fake positivity. Because a lot of times you go and see some things. Not this Hulk book, but you'll see some other stuff where people are like, this is the best thing ever. And you're reading it. You're like, I, I, what is this person thinking? And then you ask them, well, why'd you like it? They don't have reasons because that's the reason because. But yet that's why some real crappy books continue because these people are like, oh, well, it's critically acclaimed, critically acclaimed. I'm part of this, what we call comic press. 
It's a bunch of load of hogwash. I I am not trained at any sort of level to be doing anything that's considered press. I can't even press my pants. Seriously. I just do this to do it. Please stop with this yelling and screaming. So, hey, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And a little tirade at the end. Sometimes, you know, you got to let out your frustrations while you hear Kid Rock going in the background. All right. I mean, really? I, I, I like you just hearing, bam, bam, bam. Well, I'm ahead now. I'm like, I'm going to strangle somebody. Oh, my God. So that's that. Hey, everybody. Maybe they'll mix in some Limp biscuit next. I'll give them some hints of other crappy music they can listen to. Please. <laughs> it's going to be a fight. So that is that. That is that. And I'm going to go off now. Thanks, everybody. Again, check us out on Twitter, WS Marvel Comics. You can yell at me about being honest. And then uh, go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Also check out our Patreon, where, honestly, we do a lot. We do a lot. Right now, I still have COVID, so I'm tired, but I'm still doing, you know, trying to do my fair share. So check that out, patreon.com slash weirdscience, as I say all the time. You can join up right now. You will not be charged right away. If you joined up at this instant, you would only be charged if you carried over till March 1st. If you quit any time before that, including February 28th, you will never be charged. And you can just chalk it up as you gave it a shot. So check that out. Thanks, everybody. And I will talk to you later.